Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Decision-making is one of the most strenuous functions of all executive leadership. When you add to that the dimension of guiding a team in making a decision, you complicate it with all of the emotions and relationships involved in that team. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. This podcast is always dedicated to considering four realities, life, leadership, relationships, and of course, faith. I'm glad that you've joined for today's podcast because today I want to be talking about team decision-making. It's really the second part of two podcasts on decision-making. Last week was on decision-making in the risk-reward quadrilateral. I do hope you'll go back and find that one and make sure that you uh, watch it too. The risk-reward quadrilateral, we're talking about decision-making considering risk versus reward in all four quadrants. I'm not going to go through all that. I'm going to say that it lays the groundwork then. Now, how do you guide a team through making a decision like that? You're trying to decide whether to open another branch in another town. You're trying to decide whether to um, borrow money and move forward with a building project or expansion in some way. But you don't want to make that decision all alone. You don't want to make that decision just sitting behind your desk. You want to bring in people on your team that may know things you don't know. It may be that once you assemble the team and process it, you may need people that aren't on the team. So how do you guide this process through? How do you bring a team to make a decision? All right, the first is this. It's your responsibility as the executive in that team to frame the question. What is it that we're really deciding here? Are we going to buy the 40 acres next to us? Are we going to finance it? Are we going to buy it? How are we going to use it? That's the question. And that question, when you begin that discussion with a group of people around a table, people will begin to chase rabbits. They'll go this way, that way. And you have to keep them on task. You have to keep saying to them, no, here's the decision we're trying to make. Are we going to buy the 40 acres next to our campus? You have to isolate the real issue, not how do we feel about it, not whether or not it, everybody's in favor of it. What is the real issue? What are we deciding? And keep everybody on that question. The second is this. You have to go through an information gathering stage. First of all, make sure you have the right people in the room. You're going to make the decision to paint the junior high youth building uh, inside purple. My suggestion is you have the junior high youth pastor in the room with you. Uh, Do you have the right people in the room? Do you have everybody there that ought to be there? Don't be making decisions with crucial people left out of the room. Second question you want to ask yourself is, do we need outside advice? Not only the right people on my team, 
But I guess this is because I do a lot of consulting, but I've also used consultants at a, at a mega church I pastored and at both universities where I served as president. We hired outside consultants. There were people who knew more about, say, the, the admissions process than, than our admissions team did. They could guide us. We, we brought in people who helped us with accounting issues. I, I spent a lot of money with Ernst & Young and we had to bring in outside people to help us make these decisions. There's nothing at all wrong with saying to yourself, we need some outside consultancy. Is there somebody else that ought to be in this room with us? Then you want to ask yourself, how long can we stay in the, in the information gathering phase? How long can we talk about this, consider it, gather information? There has to come a moment where the information gathering stops and the actual decision-making starts. But how long can we stay in this? The longer you can stay in the information gathering phase, the better, because it makes sure that that last item of information, that last thing that you didn't know, where everybody says, oh, that changes everything. If you can wait until the possibility of that last indispensable piece of information steps forward, the longer, the more likely you are to get that information. But if you wait too long, you can be fiddling while Rome burns. Remember your competition, somebody else is also considering to buy that 40 acres next to your campus. And while you're still looking at comps, they're making a deal. The second is this, inside your team, as you consider the decision-making process, you have to create an atmosphere of honest, that, that is capable of, of enduring honest, confrontive debate. I'm not talking about toxicity. I'm not talking about people pulling their shoe off and pounding it on the table like Khrushchev. I'm talking about uh, employee A can say to employee B, I don't know where you got those figures. That doesn't make any sense to me. Where, where did you come up with that? The other person can't get all defensive and that's not an emotional attack on them. That is one professional saying to another professional, make sure that I understand this. I don't understand what you're saying. And I don't know where you got those figures and they don't seem right. You have to create the atmosphere where people are free to say that kind of thing. They're not going to energize some kind of a big emotional explosion. You're not going to rebuke them and you're not going to allow the others to rebuke them. You, you have to be the meeting referee. You have to keep everybody from jumping down each other's throats. But at the same time, you have to call people out with the information they've got. You have to bring them out. Come on now. Tell, tell me what you're thinking. You have to summon out their information and their input. In this step, you want to consider all the pros and cons. Even though you have somebody that's already committed to the pros, make sure that you force them to consider the cons. Make sure you force them to say, yes, but why, what could go wrong? What could this cost us? What could this set us back? Make sure they look at that. Don't let them just blind their eyes to the cons. The same way uh, on the other side. You have people that are opposed to it. They're just opposed. They're opposed the minute you bring it up. And they're probably opposed to anything you bring up. Make them consider the positives. Consider the positives and the negatives. Consider them all together and make everybody process them. Don't let anybody abstain. Don't let anybody sit back from the conversation and say, oh, I, I just want to listen. 
You, you have to call them out. No, it's not good enough for you to listen. I want to know what you think. One reason is because you have to know whether or not they have valuable input. The second is you don't want and you can't afford anybody on your team later on to say, I knew that was a bad decision, but I didn't want to say anything. You have to get everybody on the same page and everybody has to contribute. Then you have to synthesize the decision. This is a part where it's sort of intuitive. I can tell you about it, but I'm not sure I know how to teach it. And that is a decision coming up from a group kind of arises like a cloud. There's not a moment where a group just suddenly formulates the decision. You just kind of watch the discussion, the debate, the pros, the cons, the information, and you kind of sense that the the decision is rising like a cloud up over the group, and it kind of begins to hang in the air. It's your job as the leader, as the executive. You have to scoop that cloud out of the air and process it through your own intellect and synthesize that decision. That's the moment where you say to the group, all right, I think this is what I'm hearing. Is this what we're hearing, what we're saying? That's the moment at which others in the room can say, no, that's not what I'm saying. Then you make them process it again. You kind of start over again. Or if everybody says, yes, that, that's exactly it. I was tr- that's what we were trying to say. But it's your job to, to gather the vague water droplets, those particles, and process them into a, into a single synthesized decision. Now, you begin to formulate a plan of action. When do we do this? When do we act? Who do we call? Who's going to call the attorney? Who's going to call the real estate broker? Who's going to get the, you make assignments. Who's going to get the, uh, the comps? Who's going to call this? Who's going to do that? You make those assignments, set up the plan of action. And then finally, and indispensably, I know it may not seem like much, maybe it sounds to you like a, a courtesy, but I'm telling you it's important. That is, make sure that you thank everybody for taking part in the process. What you want to do is affirm your team for taking part in the process. So you say to them, I think we've made a good decision here. But regardless of that, I want you to know how proud I am of you that as a team, you contributed, brought to this together, processed this information, and helped me make a good decision. You affirm them and thank them for the process. If you don't do that, they're less likely to take part in the process the next time. So you're not only in the process of making that individualized good decision, you're also in the, pro- you're also in the process of creating a good executive team that knows how to process and make a good decision. So you're making a decision and you're teaching how to get better and better at making decisions. And the reward that they get out of that is praise from you. You to look them in the eye and say, I am so proud to work with a team of people like you. You are a great group. Now they're willing to work with you and make decisions in the future. Now, there's one other thing I want to deal with, and that is the what's called the total personal contribution bias. And it has to do with, with team energy, and I just want to touch on it, but it is important. 
Social scientists, psychologists tell us, if you ask any team what percentage of the energy, insight, leadership, what positive percentage of this team's work do you contribute? Each person lists the percentage that they give. It will always add up to more than 100%. I know that sounds funny, but it is this. Everybody on your team thinks they're contributing more than their share. So what you have to do is affirm them as individuals. You want them to keep making that contribution. But you have to make sure that they understand that the team contribution is greater than the sum of the parts. That not even you, not even you are pulling more than your weight. That all of us together making this process are greater than if we add up everybody's percentage, not the other way around. People tend to think that their percentage is higher. That's the reason team contribution bias is almost inevitable. But one of the leader's roles, one of your goals is to defeat team contribution bias. You want them to understand the team is better than the sum of all the individuals. As good and intelligent and bright as all the as all the individuals on that team are, we're better together. That's part of executive leadership. I'm so glad that you joined today. I'm Mark Rutland. This has been The Leader's Notebook. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.